There's a couple of topics that people can preach on that um, are kind of guaranteed to clear the sanctuary out. One is if, uh, oh, I'm going to preach on hell today. People start filtering out. The other one is brokenness. People say, oh, that's such a sad topic. I don't want to... Well, that's my topic today, brokenness. But bear with me. Don't jump up and run just yet. Hopefully, I can give you some things that will be an encouragement to you. Now, what is brokenness? You know, there's a lot of definitions of that. Uh, Think of it like this. Brokenness is um, your spirit is crushed by something. Now, the, the, the word brokenness appears 186 times in the Bible. You think God is trying to tell us something? 186 times. How do I know that? Because I counted them. Yeah, I know. It's a little strange, isn't it? I know some of you are thinking, man, Dr. Lynn, you need to get a life, man. You are, you, you're counting words in the Bible? Well, 39 years ago, I got a life, and I got it that more abundantly. So, yeah, this is kind of what I do. I read the Bible, and when I see something is repeated over and over and over again, uh, I don't know. I think maybe this is kind of important. 186 times. Now, what is... What's brokenness? What causes it? Well, the list is long. Abuse, rejection, neglect, hurt, betrayal, manipulation, persecution, tragedy, trauma, selfishness. And we could probably go on and on about that. Now, I want you to know this. Brokenness is common. Most people at some point in their lives go through a period or season of brokenness. Something has happened to affect you and impact you in some kind of significant way. I say that because when people go through something like that, it's easy for you to start thinking, oh, I'm the only one that this has happened to. Everybody else is just happy as a lark. And uh, and so you, you get this feeling of being isolated and alone and start feeling really uh, bad about yourself and blaming yourself for a lot of these things. Now, you may have made some choices that kind of open or close some doors to some of these things, but the message I want you to get is it's not your fault. It's not your fault. Because I see so many people that keep beating themselves up for something that someone else did to them. 
You see, there are sinners in the world. Would you agree with that? There are sinners. Well, there's also what I call sin ease. What's a sin e? Well, the sin e are the people that are on the receiving end of other people's sins. You with me? See, we hear a lot about people who sin. But what about those that get sinned against? The innocent victims that things happen to. You see, sinners make choices. And sooner or later, someone is going to get hurt by those choices. Because there's consequences to every choice we make. True? Now, it's important here to understand what goes on. I want you to stop blaming yourself. It's normal for you to feel sad, heartbroken, disappointed, or angry when these things happen to you. I want you to understand that. Those are normal feelings. All right? I, I like to think of it as a normal reaction to abnormal behavior. You with me? Okay? You know, we live in South Louisiana, so um, uh, we experience a lot of trauma uh, by the weather. Right? We have hurricanes. Uh, we had one not too long ago, Hurricane Ida, that hit south of us to our neighbors to the south and tore things up, right? So things happen. And I explain that to people. They, they develop uh, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, from things like that. And I say, look, what you're experiencing is normal. It's a normal reaction to an abnormal event, okay? And so when people sin against you, it's the same thing. You're having normal feelings to abnormal behavior. Now, all those feelings are normal, but it's how you deal with these feelings that will determine whether you stay stuck in them or you use them to grow as a person and as a Christian. All right? Now, let's start with a couple of thought patterns that are going to hold you back and keep you stuck. One is a common belief that if something is broken, it may be repairable, but it will never be as beautiful as it was before. This is not true. It may not be exactly the same as it was before, but it's possible that it might even be better and more beautiful than it was before. Now, let me give you a little example of what I'm talking about. My wife Peggy's grandparents, they had this piece of furniture called a Hoosier cabinet. Anybody know what a Hoosier is? A Hoosier cabinet? Yeah, I didn't know either. These two know, okay? I didn't know what it was either. 
But her grandparents lived on a farm. They were farmers. And uh, they had this piece of furniture called a Hoosier cabinet. And it was in their kitchen. And a Hoosier is a little over six feet high. It's about three feet wide and about two feet deep. And uh, it it comes in two sections. And one section uh, at the top has these glass doors and a small mirror in the middle. And you open the doors and there's shelves in there. You can store things. And then there's some more shelves underneath it. And that sits on top of the bottom section, which the top of that, it has this kind of desk-like surface with with some shelves. And then right under it, it has these cabinets uh, that you can pull out that you can store a lot of stuff in. Plus, it has some some additional shelving. Now, when Peg's grandmother passed away, her sister took this Hoosier to her house in Baton Rouge and just stored it. And then when she passed away, our nephew was cleaning out her house and, and found this Hoosier. It was just stuck off in a corner somewhere, and it was a mess. I mean, it was a wreck. So he was going to throw it away. It looked like junk. Well, my bride said, absolutely not. We will take that, and we'll see if it's possible to get that restored. Well, so we, we got her brother to bring it over from Baton Rouge. Now, we knew exactly who to consult about this challenge. We have one of our dearest friends who is a master woodworker. Now, I'm not going to say his name because if I do, he's going to come up here and knock me out. Uh, But he is a master woodworker. And so we called him and said, hey, uh, this is what we got. Uh, You want to take a look at it and see if you can do something with it? He said, sure. So he looked at it and he said, well, it's in pretty bad shape, but I I think I can do something with it. Well, that was putting it mildly. By the time he finished with it, it looked absolutely beautiful. It was no longer just old broken junk. You see, it's now what its creator intended it to be, an exquisite work of craftsmanship and art. Now, I want you to get this. It's now what its creator intended it to be in the first place. You see where I'm going with this? Okay, stay with me. Now, if this is true for things, I believe it's even more true for people. You have to get past the idea that you are ruined forever. Because it's easy to get stuck in that. If you've been through some hard, hard times and you're struggling with these issues, it's easy to say, well, nothing's ever going to change. I'm ruined forever. You see, look, God has given us different talents, skills, gifts, and he'll use them differently, 
But the outcome is often the same. You see, he hasn't, he hasn't called me to be a repairer of things. Those of you who know me know that I am not a handyman. A hammer in my hands is a dangerous weapon. No, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. Somebody's going to get hurt, and it's always me. I'm telling you. So I'm not, I'm not a repairer of things, but God has called me to repair people. Now, I'm always constantly amazed by my friends who are handymen, you know, because when they fix something, they make it look so easy. You know? You ever notice that? But see, when God has gifted somebody with certain skills and he anoints them, then yes, what they do looks easy until you try it. Correct? Until you try it. And it's like, ugh, I think I was wrong about this one. This is not so easy. So he, he gives us all different skills, but see, the outcome is the same. It helps people, okay? And it blesses people. Now, here's, here's a, a, another common belief. It has to do with having false or incorrect expectations about life. For example, some people think that bad things should never happen to them. And listen, we especially see this in the Christian church. People are taught, oh, if you just give your heart to Jesus, you'll never have another problem. What planet are they living on? Bad things happen to good people. And it creates brokenness. Now, fortunately, when that happens to Christians, we have a solution. God. Right? Look, God never told us that bad things wouldn't happen. You can't find that in the Bible. Okay? Now, in the book of Job, it says, you know, it says, man's life is short and full of troubles. Uh, that, that doesn't sound like uh, good times to me. Okay? So, we know that bad things happen, as I said earlier. It, any number of things can cause, you know, yes, sinners sinning against other people, but, you know, like we mentioned, natural disasters. Hurricanes, forest fires, all kinds of stuff, crime, you know, bad things happen. All right, now, let's talk about two types of breaking. The first type of breaking is that which Satan uses against you. 
See, Satan attacks us to destroy us. Is that not true? Sure. He attempts to break all the good things off of you. All right? Like fruit of the Spirit, peace, love, joy, uh, certainly love of God. His, his purpose and his goal is to, to break all the good stuff off and leave only the bad things. Okay? Like pride, woundedness, emotional pain, anger, resentment, bitterness, unforgiveness, selfishness. He wants all that stuff to remain. And you know what he does when he, when he, when he knocks you in the dirt, likes to kick you while you're down, then pour gasoline on you, light it, so that the flames will consume you, so that there's no more you. Amen? Am I the only one that's happened to? Now, God's breaking promise is entirely different. The way he, his process works is this. Satan breaks the good things off of us. God, on the other hand, breaks the bad things off of us. You with me? Okay, you see how that works? Now, I'm going to do a little show and tell here for you. I have an egg here. See, can everybody see an egg? Okay? I love eggs. I had eggs for breakfast, by the way. Now, if I were to take this egg, and if I gently crack the hard outer shell, and gently open it up, and, and put that into a bowl, Wow, we have something now. I can scramble it, I can fry it, I can put it in a quiche, I can put it in literally thousands of different recipes to add flavor and body and texture, correct? Eggs, man, I'm telling you, you can do some stuff with eggs, right? If... We handle it properly, okay? We gently break this hard shell off. This is how God operates. He gently breaks the hard shell off of us so that the good stuff inside can be ready for him to use. Now, what if, though, what if I took this egg and I had a sledgehammer? And I put it down and I smashed this egg with that sledgehammer. Oh, uh, there's not going to be anything useful left of this egg. Is that not true? Okay. That's how Satan does it. Satan wants to use a sledgehammer on you to smash you and break you so that there's nothing useful left. Ah, but God, God says, no, I don't think we're going to do it like that. Let me show you the difference. Let's look at 2 Corinthians. 
chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now, check this out. Okay, I know I'm weird. I look at little words here. But new creature. If you're in Christ, you're a new creature. Old things pass away. What are the old things? Oh, brokenness. All the junk you've been living in for all your life. You come to the Lord, and because of His mercy and His grace, He forgives you, and then He says, now I'm going to heal you, and now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create something new with you. Okay? A new creature. If that's true, why is it And people walk around, especially Christians, still walking in that brokenness. Can't hardly get around emotionally because they're still broken from the past. Either things that other people did to them or maybe some things they did that brought that on themselves. Now, let's look at some examples of brokenness. How about broken people? Ourselves. Let's look at Psalms 34, 18. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Wow. Don't you just love that? See, it's so easy when you're going through these periods of brokenness, it's so easy, as I said earlier, to think you're all alone. To think that uh, nobody cares or knows anything about what's happening with you. But it says here, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. See, the Lord hasn't gone anywhere. He's with you. And He saves those who are crushed in spirit. Meaning what? Broken. He saves us. I don't know about you, but ooh. I get excited about that, okay? Now, how about broken relationships? Pastor Desmond primed the pump for me on this one. Let's look at Psalms 147, verse 3. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Now, I just love that, okay? You see, God absolutely knows what's going on with us. And he says, I'm going to, I'm going to bind up your broken heart. Now, let's look at the process of how God breaks things. 
You know, um, when I was in high school, uh, I played football. And um, I, wasn't, I wasn't very big, uh, but I was quick. Had to be or I was going to die. Uh, now, back then, uh, we had what you call an old-school coach. This is back, in, this is back uh, in the early, late 50s, early 60s. It's an old-school coach. Well, back then, a football coach could do whatever he wanted to do to you. And no one was going to step in and tell him, stop, including uh, the principal of the school, uh, nobody. All right, now, they can't get away with that now, can they? Back then, they could do whatever they wanted to do. Uh, I saw our coach, um, one of my teammates, he took him and he broke his nose because he didn't like the way he was blocking. Well, you know what? He learned how to block real fast. Okay? Now, was that... Was that the right thing to do? Well, no, but, but it, that kind of stuff happened. You know, in August practice, we had two-a-days, and uh, we're out there in 100-degree temperature. Some of you know about that. Um, our coach made us wear these long-sleeve wool jerseys. Yeah. And no water breaks back then. We had no water breaks. So, uh, you know, two hours out there in the sun, uh, half, half of the team's laying over here uh, puking. The other half's laying here on the back, can't breathe. And he's walking around saying, I'm doing this for your own good. Oh, 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 oh really? Thanks, thanks. As soon as I catch my breath, I thank you for that. I'm doing this for your own good. Now, I heard that same phrase a couple years later when I graduated from high school. I, jo I joined the Marine Corps. Yeah. Uh, when, we, when we rolled up to the gate at Paris Island, South Carolina, uh, these two DIs got on the bus. And they started screaming at us and throwing things at us. And I'm thinking, Arich, what have you done now? So for three months, um, they tortured us. Now, trust me, the Marine Corps, the Marines are, are, I mean, they are the world masters at breaking people. And they have a lot of ways of doing it. You can't imagine. We got any Marines in the house? Huh? Semper Fi, bro. And they, they are, I mean, they know exactly how to get to you. Now, the difference, though, is they want to break you down to a point where, in, in your mind, you feel like you can't do anything correct, even get out of bed. Right, brother? Huh? And then when they get you to that point, and you're even questioning whether or not you're breathing correctly. But then they start building you back up again. 
they start then instilling things in you, changing the way you think, the way you feel, and the way you act into what? See, they're breaking what? They're breaking everything civilian off of you. That's what they're breaking off. But then they start building you back up, and they start implanting in you to become a new creature, okay? To become what? To think, feel, and behave like a Marine. Like a Marine. And of course, by the way, there's no, there's, there's no ex-Marines, are there? Once a Marine, always a Marine. I saw a bumper sticker not long ago. On the back it said, it said, Old Marine, waiting for my next assignment. Don't you love it? Now, God's process actually is similar to the Marine Corps and football coaches because he will break things off of you, but he doesn't leave you like that. He then begins to build things into you that do what? That resemble him. Aren't we told that Jesus is constantly trying to transform us into what? His likeness. See, as Christians, our job is not to try to be a better version of ourselves. Okay? It's to be like Him. More and more like Him. Yeah, you can give Him a hand clap. You see, we see this so much in the Christian church, you know, and you hear so many teachings that, oh, you gotta, you got to be better, you got to do this, and you got to go from victory to victory to victory. We've all heard that. What they don't tell you, though, is between those victories, there's probably some pretty good battles going on. Uh-huh. And in the process, they say, well, you have to do this, to be good, and you have to do that to be good. Look, when you come to Jesus and you submit to Him and the Holy Ghost, hey, He's going to show you what you need to do. Okay? He'll show you. He'll begin to break the bad stuff off of you. Now, Psalms 51.17. Check this one out. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. You see, on the one hand, he takes somebody with a broken spirit, and, and he doesn't despise that. He says, okay. I see you, I know what's going on, and I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to do something that will heal you. You know, I see, I see people in my practice over the years, I've been doing this for over 40 years now, 
Wow, that just hit me. <laughs> Over 40 years. Uh, there's not much I haven't seen or heard. This is why I'm telling you, brokenness is, a, is kind of a normal thing to go through in life. Okay? Everybody has to go through something. All right? Now, um, we talked about broken relationships. You know, divorce rate in our country now is um, close to 60% for first marriages. And he says he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds in Psalms 147.3. He heals the brokenhearted. Did you get that? What are some other examples of brokenness? Well, how about broken institutions? For example, God's church. Think any churches are broken? Oh, man, this happens all the time in various ways. You know, this church went through a period of brokenness uh, just with the pandemic. Did we not? It impacted everybody. We had to stop having church. I call that brokenness. But how about, how about at churches that get to get to squabbling and arguing, and they split. That's a broken church, is it not? Has that happened? It's happened in this church. Yeah. We pray, God, it will never happen again. Okay? How about broken families? Oh, this happens a lot. due to various factors going on in families. Maybe uh, divorce, okay? Maybe um, one or both uh, parents kind of have issues. Well, that impacts the children. That causes brokenness in them. Um, you know, I, I grew up in a broken home, okay? My parents divorced when I was a um, year and a half. And um, I was born in Houston, but uh, my mother then decided to move me and my older sister to Detroit, Michigan. Got any people from Detroit here? Good. I don't have a lot of love for Detroit, <laughs> okay? Um, now, you know, and then my sister, who was older than me, um, when I was seven years old, she got married and moved away. So I was pretty much on my own. My mother worked a lot, and my mother was uh, a party girl. She liked to have a good time. So she didn't come home a lot. Now, uh, I, I, sometimes I would go three, four days without actually laying eyes on her. Now, 
you know, that has an impact on you when you're growing up. Now, there were some good things that came out of it, though, because I learned to be very independent. Because when you live like that, you, you better learn how to do things <laughs> or it's going to be difficult for you. So I learned uh, how to take care of my own clothes, wash them, dry them, iron them. I learned how to fix myself things to eat, um, how to get up in the morning and get myself to school. Um, you know, so some good things came out of that. But those kinds of things going on in families impact you, okay? And there's probably some people here today that have gone through that. But I'm here to tell you there's good news because you don't have to live in that the rest of your life. You don't have to get stuck in that. You don't have to feel like you are ruined forever. It, it's not, it's not going to happen, okay, if you do certain things. I'm going to get to that probably in another couple of hours. Now, what's God's purpose in doing all of this? I, I ask him things like that all the time. Sometimes he gives me answers and sometimes he doesn't. But I encourage you to ask him anyway. If you're going through a period of brokenness, or if you've been through it, but you're still kind of trying to overcome the, the impact of that, it's okay to ask God, you know? Uh, what's the purpose of all this? Let's look at Isaiah 61, verses 1 to 7, but I want to look at the first three first. Check this out. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. So they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. You see what these scriptures indicate is that through the brokenness process, God produces healing, not only for us, but so that we can pass that on to other people. Do you see where, where we're going here? Now, let's look at the next verses, 4 through 7. Then they will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will raise up the former devastations. And they will repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. And strangers will stand and pasture your flocks, and foreigners 
will be your farmers and your vine dressers. But, now this is good, but you will be called the priests of the Lord. You will be spoken of as ministers of our God. You will eat the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will have a double portion. And instead of humiliation, they will shout for joy over their portion. You see, what he's showing us here is the purpose is to produce service to the Lord. Victory and absolute transformation of people. Listen, y'all. God is in the transformation business. Listen, I am a living, breathing example of that. For those who don't know my testimony, I was an atheist. I didn't believe in God, and I mocked all of you who did. I made jokes about it all the time. And I've said before, you know, 39 years ago, if you'd have told me that I'd be standing up here preaching the gospel, I'd have said, we got to get you on some medication. You're not in touch with reality. That's not going to happen. Well, folks, here I am. Okay? And let me tell you, I don't take credit for any of that. That is my Jesus. Have I told you about my Jesus? Man, he is in the transformation business. Okay? But we have to let him do that. Correct? Now, how do you come out of brokenness? Well, I'm going to give you some steps. First one is to cry out to God for help and healing, which is really the first step in everything. I don't care what's going on in your life. The first step, if you need answers, you need solutions, you need help, cry out to God for that. Does he care? Oh, he's just waiting around for us. He's ready. He's just waiting around for us to go to him. Secondly, set aside some time to get still before him and let him heal and refill you. Read his word to restore your what? Hope. You see, what brokenness frequently does is it destroys hope. What is hope? Well, it's the anticipation of something good happening in the future. We have to have hope, folks. When I see a patient in my practice, one of the very first things that I try to accomplish is let's restore their hope because many of them come in their hope has been destroyed. And without hope, how are you going to get unstuck? You see? Now, 
I said, set aside some time to get, get still before him. You know, the Bible says, be still and know that I am God. Boy, that scripture, I've thought about that a lot. Be still and know that I am God. That is so true for Americans. We live such a fast-paced lifestyle and culture. Is that not true? I mean, everything is fast. We got fast food. We got fast uh, uh, cleaners. You know, clean your clean your, uh, your your slacks in an hour. Everything is fast, and we get upset if it's not done quickly. You know, we we, we roll into the fast food place, and you know, if our order isn't ready by the time we pull up to the window, man, what are you doing in there? Huh? You camping out? I had to wait 45 seconds. Isn't it true? Be still and know that I am God. We get quiet before him. Oh, I'm telling you, some really cool things can happen. All right? It's important to do that if you want healing. Next, be obedient to what he tells you to do. He may tell you to do something that, you know, at first glance, you don't want to do it. Or it may not make much sense to you. Well, it's not up to you to figure it out if it makes sense. If God tells you to do it, just do it. Because uh, last time I checked, you're not God. He is. And he knows what's going on. So if you get a a nudge uh, to do something from him, please just be obedient and do it, whether you understand it right then or not. Later you will. You with me? Second, uh, fourth, Don't be afraid to reach out to Christian friends or pastors for help. Next, seek professional help if necessary. Don't let pride or stigma get in your way. You know, it's interesting to me... um, Psychology has done a lot of research and a lot of education over the years to break the stigma associated with seeing professionals. And yet, a lot of that stigma still exists. Oh, I don't want to see a psychologist or psychiatrist. People think I'm crazy. Well, you're kind of crazy if you don't see them. Oh, no. You know, if you get something wrong with your body, you get a disease, or you've got some kind of pain going on, chances are pretty good you're going to go to your, your doctor, 
your physician. Correct? To get what? Some help. Okay? Well, when people are in emotional pain, what's the difference? Go to, go to somebody who perhaps can help you. Now, I'm not saying that every problem requires that. This is why we have pastors and fellow Christians, as I said, don't be afraid to reach out to each other. Ask for prayer, ask for uh, just fellowship, ask for help, okay? Because if you don't, you're going to stay stuck right where you are. Look, we, we ask for help all the time from other people who have skills that we don't have. Um, when there's something wrong with my car, I take it to my mechanic. Because as I told you, uh, I'm not going to fix it. That's for sure. If I start messing with it, it's going to get worse. Well, so I take it to a person who has the skill set. God has gifted that person with certain skills and abilities to fix my car. If I need something fixed at home, see this finger? It dials a number. This finger has fixed a lot of broken things. True? I dial a number and I get our handyman to come over and God has gifted him. He just takes one look at it and he says, oh yeah, I can do that. And I'm thinking, really? I mean, don't you need like a crane or something to, to fix? You know, he just takes one look and he fixes it. Okay? So if we call other people for help, there's nothing wrong with that. If you're broken and you're in emotional pain, ask for help from somebody. Anybody. Okay? Satan wants you to keep walking this out alone. He does this all the time. He tries to isolate us and get us alone so that he can go to work on us. Okay? Listen, there's all kinds of scriptures in the Bible about us being one body, right? One body, unified. And boy, if there is ever a time that we as Christians need to be unified in one body, it's now. Right? Because our government is also broken. No, I, okay, I'm not going there. I could go on all day about that one. Is there a solution to that too, though? See, so many people think, well, the government is so big and there's so much corruption going on. There's nothing I can do about that. Oh, how about revival? Now, is it our responsibility to vote for certain people? Well, sure. But I'm telling you now, that's not going to solve all the problems. See, I want you to be a Jesus freak like me. I want you to 
evangelize. I want you to, to witness to people because we need revival. You've heard Pastor Joe preach on this a lot. And I've been, I've been preaching the same thing for years because it's only God that changes the heart of people. When that's changed, then brokenness begins to heal and people come together in unity. Okay? Now, the sixth thing is be patient in the process. Some kinds of healing require time. You know, you you, you didn't get here overnight. Sometimes brokenness occurs early in a person's life and they they move on and they, they, they function, but they're still carrying around the junk. Things are still buzzing around back here in our central nervous system, and it doesn't go away on its own. And it sometimes takes time for healing to take place. Allow God to do it in his Timing. Okay? Now, worship team, you can come on up. The last one is, some of you have heard me preach on this before, forgiveness. Oh, yeah. Probably the hardest thing that God ever commanded us to do is to forgive. Why is that? Because it's hard to do. You know, if you've been persecuted, if you've had, uh, people have sinned against you causing uh, brokenness in you, um, you're carrying around all this junk, bitterness, anger, hurt, woundedness. And God says, Jesus said this, didn't he? He said, forgive those who persecute you and despitefully use you. Now, that wasn't a suggestion, folks. That was a commandment. Now, I don't have time to go into all the details here on forgiveness because it's a process also. But I would encourage all of you to pray about that, meditate on it, get some help learning how to do that, learning how to forgive. Because once you can do that, then the brokenness is healed. Okay? Now, some people say, oh, yeah, just forgive and forget. Yeah, you can do that for little bitty things. But for big things, uh, it works a little different. But I can tell you this. How do you know when you have forgiven someone? Uh, You know, do you suddenly have amnesia and you have no memory of what happened to you? No, that, that doesn't happen. You still remember all that junk. But when you have worked your way through the forgiveness process, 
you'll know that you're done with it when you can think about that stuff, but you don't feel all that same stuff in here anymore. You with me? That is gone. It's gone. Now, people say, well, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I can do that. Well, here's the deal. Forgiveness just requires one person. You. You see, relationships require two people working at it constantly, okay? Negotiating, doing all kinds of things to have a relationship. But forgiveness just requires one person, you, okay? Now, I kind of like that deal because then you just got to deal with you. You don't have to deal with somebody else. Right? Now, is it, you know, can it be challenging? Is it difficult? Sure. But it's doable. It's doable. We're, we're all here today because someone forgave us. That's my Jesus. Okay? I'm standing here today because of His mercy and His grace who forgave me and then said, oh, I think I'm going to break you too, son. But he broke, he started breaking the bad stuff off. Now, it took him a while because I had a lot of bad stuff on me. But if we submit to that, it happens, folks. Folks. 